T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This episode's brought to you by Pelican Brewing. It begins a three-episode partnership over the summer between us, Beers on Us, and Pelican Brewing for their 25th birthday. Pelican Brewing, born at the beach. Welcome into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Welcome back into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris, and we are back on location again. Look at us. We're getting wild. Two weeks in a row, and we are absolutely loving being out again. We were uh, touting this as our resolution. This is what we wanted to do, and it took us forever to do it, but yeah, hey, two (laughs) weeks in a row. Uh, Two weeks in a row, and we are not in in Pelican. We are at Pelican. Yes. We are not at Pacific City like we promised. We had a bit of a confusion. But uh, we are in Tillamook. We are at their big, giant brewing facility. And right in front of us right now, we've got a bit of a taster tray. We've got some food. So like we normally do in our takeover episodes, this will be an official Pelican takeover. And uh, Pelican, being a, uh, a summer-long sponsor of us on the podcast, we'll be doing two more episodes with them, which will be a little bit more hyper-specific uh, than this one, which is just going to be kind of like our generic takeover episodes. But we'll try the beers. We'll talk about them with you. We'll have the food in the break, and then we'll bring uh, Jim, who's the CEO, and Darren, who's the brewmaster, on, and we'll chat to them, chat with them about their 25th birthday, as well as uh, anything they're pumping. And we also kind of want to get a bit of the story of the history of Pelican today. Yeah, one of the you know Pelican is one of the oldest, most respected breweries in the state of Oregon. It is and now now that a lot of the other breweries have closed, mm-hmm. it's basically left as one of the few OGs left in the state. Yeah, you got McMinimins, Deschutes, and these guys. That's about it. That's kind of it. Rogue as well. Yes, yeah. Rogue. And maybe Ninkasi, maybe that's the second yeah, tier. Yeah, I think that's the second tier. But yeah, we're pretty close. I mean, these guys have been around for a long time, and I got stories about them for days, and they're a big, big, big part of Oregon craft beer. In uh, honor of this, the beer that I purchased this week was Tsunami Stout. Good boy. From Safeway. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and get myself a six-pack in the fridge just to have a bit of a, a, a continuous week of Pelican beer drinking. And I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to try to pick up some beer while we're here mm. uh, so I can grab some fresh beer to take home. I'm also going to do that. Okay. I, okay. I just was at the grocery store and needed beer, and I was <laughs> like, well, I might as well get some Pelican anyway. Okay, so, uh, okay, we'll get the admin stuff out of the way. There's a lot of things going on in front of us, and I want to get to all of it. Uh, first... You can find our podcast most places you can find podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Odyssey, 1080thefan.com, Omni Stitcher. You can find us on social media, Instagram.com slash Beers on Us, at Beers on Us Pod on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Beers on Us. Our Instagram is our main hub. If you'd like to reach us, that's probably the easiest place to do so for now. We're still building out the Twitter and Facebook uh, as we kind of figure out what we're going to do on those side 
uh, social media sites. And then our personal pages, I'm at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter and Patrick is at P Diddy 085 on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, week in beer wise, uh, I had a couple of beers that I enjoyed. I had the Shimmer Glow from Lewitt again, okay. which is their Imperial Stout. I had that two years ago and I remember really enjoying it. And uh, it was delightful again. I would, I would argue better than the first time that I had it. So I think they made an improvement on that. And then I posted this picture on our Instagram page. We had the Breakside Logsden collab, which was a dry hopped lager brewed with jasmine rice. I had one of those, too, of one of my few beers that I am allotted to drink. Right. Counting podcasts. Thank God. You should see how much beer is in front of <laughs> There's me. There's a lot of beer I in front like of me. I am like in heaven right now. Um, that beer was really good. Really and good. Really cool. So I have a really tough time with the Japanese style lagers. Mm. I don't like rice lagers. Which I love. I am all about it. It's not my favorite style. It's not something that I normally go after. And uh, that beer is basically a hopped up Japanese rice lager. It makes it a more northwest version Mm. of the Japanese rice lager. So you get kind of like that softness right off the bat from the rice. And then the hops hit you because it's dry hopped. And I really appreciated that balance because I the, the problem I have with Japanese rice lagers generally is I almost feel like they're a little bland. Mm. I almost feel like it's like, okay, I get one note of flavor and I get it and it goes well with sushi and okay, cool. Uh, this was, like I always talk about, I love the depth of flavor. And this gave me a little bit of that Japanese rice lager and then it gave me the hot profile and a bitterness that I very much enjoyed. And I loved it. I, I loved it so much I posted the picture of it. Like usually I just post my lineup. And that was my favorite beer of the week by far, so I made sure to post a separate picture of it. So very, very cool collab. I think we talked about that last week too, didn't we? I think so. I couldn't remember. I think off the podcast. Yeah, but. I couldn't remember when you when I had it, because I had it the other day, I swore I was like, I think Mike's had this, but I couldn't remember when you mentioned you had it or not. Uh, I had it the other day, like I said, as one of my uh one of my cheat beers here in mm-hmm. my uh never ending journey of doom. And uh, I quite enjoyed it as well. Um, a buddy of mine told me that he had one. He goes, hey, have you had that yet? And I was like, no, have you? He's like, I've had four. Like, he was like, I kept, I keep buying it. Uh, and so I had that, and I quite enjoyed it. I haven't really had much, obviously, as I'm not uh, drinking as much beer these days. Uh, only for a short time. Don't worry, I, I will come back. Uh, but I did have a cheat day, and I went with my buddy and my partner and, and the littlest child, and we had some beers at Migration. And I had a couple new stuff at the Williams spot. Because uh, now that the Williams spot is in North Portland, uh, me and my best friend, we that is an easy place for us to meet up. We both have been going to the Gleason Pub forever. Yep. I don't know. It's one of those things, kind of like what I'm going to ask you know, Darren here with Pelican. It's like... We've been going to Pelican since 2008 just because that's what you did. Right. And so I kind of feel like that's what we do now. But I had some really cool new beers that they have on. Uh, Infinite Riff is a new kind of uh, packaged beer that they've done over there, an IPA. And they have it in six packs now. But I also tried the Hello Again, which is a session IPA, which was exactly what you can expect. Hot Hot summer day. It wasn't that hot, but a hot summer day. A sunny light, summer day. Yeah, light-bodied, good hop character up front. Wasn't too crazy. And then they had kind of a full-bodied little malt backbone pale ale called Hot Wire uh, that they did package in six packs as well, and I ended up buying a six-pack of it because I enjoyed it. It has a little more malt character, a little more of a true pale ale than a you know baby IPA West Coast pale ale. 
So uh, I think that was about it for me. I finished up my Elliott IPA that I had in the fridge, which was delightful. And I had the girlfriend buy me a six-pack of Elliott that she saw at Safeway before I went to her house this weekend. Thank you very much. <laughs> I was like, check the date, and she checked it. I'm teaching her, just like you taught your, your special lady mm-hmm. friend, uh, your partner, as you like to say. Uh, I was like, okay, can you get me some beer before I show up? And she was like, okay, what do you want? She sent me the pictures. And I was like, can you check the date on that one and that one and that one? And she sent them to me, and I was like, okay, the two freshest ones. And I was like, uh, there we go. That's I great. got an RPM, which was like two weeks old, and then I got the Elliott, which was three weeks old, and I was very happy. I was a very happy camper. Uh, beyond that, I had the Shimmer Glow. I had the, um, I had the collab with Breakside and Logsdon. I had the oh, – what was oh, I haven't had it yet. I got Dark Matter, the uh, Block 15 Porter. Mm. The chocolate porter, which I have not had in over a year, so I was very excited to have that one. And I think that was it. I think I might have got something else, but obviously it's not sticking with me. But, yeah. Okay. In front of us. Let's talk about the beer we had first. It was fresh off the line. Yeah, we literally walked in. We were chatting with Darren, and uh, we were kind of heading up to this conference room where they do, like, some sensory testing for their beers. Walked by the uh, the bottling line, the packaging line right now, which is going on, and he just grabbed two bottles off the line and just handed it to us, and it uh, has a warm, soft spot in my heart for fresh line off the fresh beer off the line. The only time I've had fresh beer off the line, as far as I can remember, was when we went to Milwaukee. Yeah, and we had that fresh Stay West. Yeah, and it was like frothing out as yeah. we opened it. Yeah. Uh, so the one that we had first, this is the Head Out American Style Hef. Uh, which I have not seen on shelves yet, so I'm assuming we'll be seeing this coming up pretty soon in our supermarkets. You know, I'm sure it's on shelves or it's in their variety packs, and we don't drink this style. True. So but, you might just kind of out of sight. But of I was looking at Pelican this week when I got to Nami, oh, okay. and I didn't see it. So okay. this could be uh, coming up at least to Portland soon. If you are missing the kind of like old-school Widmer Hef, the easy drinker, that maybe you stop drinking because, well, it's Widmer, um, this is better. Mm-hmm. This gives me a little bit more of like a... It gives me a more nuanced sip, where I feel like Hef is like a, hey, there's lemon in this. Yeah. Punch you in the face with it. Yeah. This one is kind of just, it's like a nuanced way of drinking a Hef, and I I enjoy it. And I do like it that it's it's prefaced with American-style Hefeweizen Ale, because it gives you the idea that you're probably looking more at like an American wheat um, sort of idea. Citrusy, weedy, not like... Uh, like a Belgian style yeah, or a yeah, German style. Yeah, you right? don't get that Bavarian kind of yeast characteristic. Right. Uh, yeah, meant to be. I mean, this is, uh, that. that's, is that not a uh, gate opener? It is. Yeah. That is a perfect first beer to give to somebody right who only drinks Coors Light or whatever yeah. the case may be. Uh, we also have in front of us is a taster tray. On here, we have Kawanda Cream Ale which is their OG, their, their flagship. These taster trays are pretty boss. They are. They remind me of the buoy ones, but uh, Pelican-themed because <laughs> the buoy ones are circles with the buoy in the middle. Uh, we have Head Out on here as well. Instead of the Updrift, we have the Paddleback. Updrift is normally on here, their IPA, but Paddleback is their Pale Ale. Uh, we've got the Beak Breaker Double IPA, the Sea and Red Irish Style Red, Tsunami Export Stout, and the two seasonals are the Pelican Pilsner, and the father of all tsunamis, barrel aged stout, which boy am I excited! Yeah, to Yeah, I'm into. actually excited too. I mean, there there is no doubt. Father of all storms, mother of all storms. That series has been wildly successful for Pelican. I mean, I think there's some GABF medals on the wall with those beers. Uh, so that's always great. I mean, these guys are some of the first barrel aged people I ever remember having, uh, and. You know, this is something maybe we could talk down the line in the next few episodes with them when it comes to branding. I think when you initially think that your branding is surrounded by the beach, you're like, oh, boy. 
Right. How far is this going to go? This is going to get real cheeky and real dumb real quick. And these guys really never have. It never even, as someone who moved here uh, late, obviously, I mm-hmm. moved here in 2011, I never once thought, like, cheesy beach brewery. I right. just thought, oh, it's based on the beach, and that's their branding. And I love, absolutely love what they've done with their bottles. Mm-hmm. Recently, over on the top, they've added the kind of, like, glass design of the of the rock and the seagulls and and it kind of just adds a little bit of a flair they do it in a way that's not bashing your face in yep and i think you know i think that's it's not punny it's nothing like that father of all storms mother of all storms those that's those are cool series that's a that's a great way to put it i'm really excited to try this paddleback because i know that's one of their new ones and Mm -hmm. i heard uh one of our co-workers at the radio station talk about this beer the other day on the air and said that it's fantastic so i'm excited to get into that what i what i like about this too is uh i appreciate the fact that they still have their ogs on here right you've got the kawanda you've got the beak breaker you've got the sea and red which you don't see reds that much anymore tsunami stout is one of the oldest pelican beers i can remember outside of kawanda yep. for obvious reasons but you've got the seasonals and now they have the american style hef is on here mm-hmm. as is the the paddleback in place of the updrift which is their their other ipa i like to kind of mix it GBF, up it's not it's not all classic beers on here gbf metal updrift yes it's not this, all, this year yeah, GBF this, metal? this last one yeah oh. uh yeah and this is i mean it's a preset taster tray which i don't have a problem with preset taster trays as someone that used to design them um, as long as you have a theme to it. And the theme to this is let's touch every style. Yes. Let's really show each person the different styles of beer and the different things we want, and that's how we're going to go. There's there's a cream ale, there's a pilsner, there's an IPA, there's a double IPA, a hef, a red, a stout, and then two seasonals. And yep. it's like, that's that's beautiful. It's per- I think that's it's the beautiful. perfect, if you're not creating your own taster tray, that's the perfect taster tray to do. Uh, so I'm going to go, I had the Kawanda, which is, uh, I haven't had a fresh Kawanda in a very long time. And let me tell you, yes, <laughs> very happy with that first sip that I took. Uh, I'm going to skip the head out because we just had that in the bottle. But, uh, okay, this is the Paddleback Pale, isn't three. Did you have a sip of that one already? I did. I did, yes. What um, did you think? <clears throat> you know, this is probably the beer I'm going to buy on the way out. This is right up my alley. It's a pale. It's a hop-forward pale. I was just talking about that migration beer, which had a little more malt character Mm -hmm. than normal. It has more malt character than this. But this is that low ABV hop-forward that I want to drink all summer. This is is giving me like a, a, a memory bubble, but I can't picture it. But taking the sip of it was like, You're oh. having sensory memories? I am. I love sensory memories. I'm having a, a taste and smell sensory memory from this beer, and I don't exactly know what it is. It hasn't formed, but my brain's like, hey, 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 you know this flavor. You know this smell. It's got some nice tropical character to it with just, I, I love where the body is in this and the mouthfeel. I think both of them are quite, quite pleasant. And it's got that touch of bitterness on the finish, which is what I want. But it still stays stays really soft in the hot bitterness. It's yeah. like a drying bitterness on the end, but the hot bitterness is soft and kind of juicy. Isn't this kind of like what you would rather hazies be? Without a doubt. Like it has the softness yeah, yeah. that the hazy wants. But you still get bitterness on the back end. And it's it's easy drinking. And it tastes like beer. It does taste like beer. You know, I, I, this might be slightly incorrect, but the, I took a second sip, and it reminded me of our very first Fresh Hop episode. Mm. 
taking a sip of this, it was there was some flavor in there with one of those beers that we did when I first discovered fresh hop beers on this podcast. That's what it reminds me of. It's not a fresh hop beer. I would say that that speaks to the freshness of the hops in the beer. Yeah, yeah, and but, I think and I think you are starting to really be able to grasp on to hop character. Yeah. You know, as a dark beer and a malt beer drinker for a long time, I think hops are really now really starting to play in your palate, and that's that's fun to see because, oh boy, I'll tell you what, I take it for granted on mine. What did you have next? What was the next beer that you had? Um, I tasted the – I went to the uh, red. Okay, I'll do that with you. I do want to taste Beak Breaker fresh because that's another one that I've had, and I've had it fresh, but it's not as frequent at mm-hmm. supermarkets to get that really fresh. Um, so I'm going to test that, but I'll go with the red first. What did you think? I know uh, red's not your go-to. It's not my go-to. What I thought was really great by this is this is one of the lighter reds I've had in a long time. It doesn't feel too heavy. and I think more, Is that the Irish style of it? Or? I don't know. I think more often than not, every time I taste reds, it's so malt-forward and so dominating in that kind of sweetness, which I think a lot of red drinkers kind of want that turns me off from of it from it and to where this has got a little more it's a little lighter it's a little softer it doesn't come at me as cloyingly sweet uh i mean i'm i'm not a red drinker but right well i think what it does that better than a lot of reds that we've seen recently or i mean i haven't had reds that much either to be honest with you so uh, i'm not going to say that i've been drinking reds a lot recently but what it does is it doesn't give you as much of a malt forward it's malty without overpowering the rest of the beer. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the body again, fantastic on this one. I really, really like almost, it. Almost, you know, almost cream ale esque. Yeah, kind you of. Know, almost, almost, almost Kawanda, but with some some richer malts. There's a there's a caramely flavor in there for sure, but it's it's smooth, light, and then kind of hits you with the sweet flavors at the back end. Yeah. Man, I used to love reds. This is reminding me of how much I used to drink ambers and reds only when I moved here because of malts. Yeah, yeah. And stouts, of course. Uh, yeah, okay. I like it. Uh, next, I'm going to go to, let's see, I've had the Pelican Pilsner. I have not. Um, the, that Pilsner, I've, I've had that. I'm going to wait on the Father of All Storms to warm up. Okay. I'm going to wait on that. So for now, I'm going to hit this tsunami. I was going to say, go Beak Breaker. <laughs> Boy, oh, I'll go Beak Breaker. Boy, tsunami stout. That's that's in my fridge right now. That's one of the. That's uh, that's an OG OG Oregon beer. Ooh, the pilsner's really nice too. Now pilsners I've talked about are not my favorite style. I I can drink them. I think they're easy to drink. I think they're you know kind of straightforward beers. But I like this. What, what I've liked so far about all of these is the nuance and the flavors. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you get a specific style and it's like they really beat you over the head with a specific ingredient. Yeah. And I'm kind of enjoying that all of these are, they're hitting my palate in a different way, but they're all good bodied and they all have a little bit of like a journey. I've talked about this a bajillion times on the podcast. They all have a little journey. And this, even the Pilsner does for me, because it, does, it doesn't just give me like the Pilsner malt flavor, right. which you get a lot in those. And, and sometimes in Pilsners, for me personally, I struggle with the back end of the taste the, the, what's left in my palate is not a taste I like, mm-hmm. and I'm not getting that with this one. I'm getting almost a little bit of a bitterness at the back end of this I one. I think you said something that's really great, is these beers are nuanced. That there is, I have yet to taste one of these beers that's, yeah, beating me over the head with what you want it to taste like. Yeah. That it's beer with, it's beer by design, 
is what it is, is the best way to put it. You're not going to accidentally get those nuanced characters, characteristics in beer. You are aiming for a certain threshold of flavor on each flavor you're putting in. And I will say, the Tsunami Stout's already a little warm. Mm. So that might be a good one to dive into. The first sip I just took of it was, it already kind of has that like warmed up stout flavor that's a little bit like... Uh, uh, not this is not a negative term, but it's almost like sludgy when it goes in because it's not cold. It kind of gives you that, yeah. It gives you that like initial like, oh, it's a warmed up stout, Boy, it's which I think is a good flavor. Boy, it's been a while since I have a tsunami. <laughs> well, there you go. This is bringing back. This brings back just so many memories to me. Like, I've been to this location once before, but I've been to Pacific City a thousand times, and I think I was drinking this brewery before I was drinking Double Mountain. <laughs> And if I was drinking any brewery before I was drinking Double Mountain that wasn't Georgetown, uh, that's an OG, OG brewery for me. Mike just tried Father of All Storms, and I uh, I think I've lost him there for a minute. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he's back. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. I, I had a actual visceral reaction to taking a sip of that beer. Uh, does it taste like there's any lactose in it? Um, Let me see. I'll take another sip. I got a very good barrel character right away. Because I, like... I'm cheating a little bit with this diet, but I really cannot put the lactose in my body. You might have to take a sip to tell me because that's not a flavor that I fully get yet because it's kind of newer that we've been having a lot more lactose. But I would well, say I mean, do you taste like milk, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. Yeah, because yeah. there's a, there, it starts off with like the sharp barrel aged bourbon character, mm-hmm. then it gets chocolatey and then it gets very smooth. And it's not a milk stout, but it gets right, very right. smooth where I think some of that lactose might be coming in. Which can be with layers of spiciness, vanilla, and caramel. Could just be coming from the vanilla. That is true. It is kind of vanilla-y. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we have tried all of these beers. Mm-hmm. I want to save this one, which is the uncarbonated one, for when uh, Darren sits down with us to yeah. explain what's going on. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to have some of the food in front of us, and then we'll bring on Jim and Darren for the interview portion of the podcast. Uh, very much enjoying the beer so far, and uh, can't wait to keep going. We'll be back. Beers on us, Mike Lynch, Patrick Harris. Talk about lucky. We gaze out at iconic Haystack Rock from our flagship brew pub. Hi, we're Pelican Brewing, and for 25 years now, people have toasted that view with a landmark of its own, Kawanda Cream Ale. Kawanda's golden color, floral aroma, and clean, snappy finish have passed beer's toughest test, time. Happy birthday, Kawanda. Sometimes a party never ends. Pelican Brewing Company. Born at the Beach. Welcome back into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. We are into the interview portion of our podcast today. We are sitting down with uh, Jim Prinzing. Is that how I'm pronouncing it correctly? He is the CEO here at Pelican, and we are also joined by Darren Welch, who is the brewmaster here at Pelican. Thank you guys for having us so much. It's been fantastic so far. Hey, welcome to our Pelican. Pleasure. Welcome. This is my first time at the Tillamook facility, too. I've been to Cannon Beach a few times and then Pacific City a couple of times, but I have not been to the Tillamook this one. This is my second time at this location, but I've been to Pacific City, I think, just shy of 100. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> just shy of 100. That's pro right there. So... We're going to be with you guys, or at least with Pelican as a whole, for a couple episodes. So like I explained in the first segment, we're going to be a little bit more deep divey in the next two episodes that we do with them. We kind of want to get a little bit of a background and history of Pelican with you guys today and obviously promote the 25th birthday you guys uh, have this year and the events you guys are doing. But I kind of wanted to start with this. You guys are now 
with Deschutes and Rogue and a couple others, the OG, McMenamin's, the OG breweries in the state, right? You guys are one of the classic breweries here. Is there one or two things you guys can say that you do to keep yourselves relevant in a time where craft beer is just everyone's new and fresh and this and Instagram. And it's like, you guys have been here for so long. It's still cranking out great beer. Is there a couple of things you guys have done to just keep yourselves up there as the OGs? You know, I think the big key is stay hungry. Like never, never get to the point where you're like, Oh, we got this figured out. And I think we're naturally wired that way to think like, how can we make it better? How can we do better? How can we do this? You know, learn from other people and never assume that you know everything and just keep that hunger and then also train the next generation, you know, bring, bring the next generation because, you know, all of us, no matter what our age is, we're all going to get, you know, we're all going to get older and we're all going to get, you know, maybe a little complacent, things like that. That comes with the territory and aging and, you know, different life goals and things like that. And I think it's really important to have that next generation that is coming along. That's got that, you know, creative fire and edge that can, you know, bring that. And then, you know, when we're old and tired, you know, we got the next gen that's ready to go. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not quite ready to pass the baton. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't. Hang it's your, it's your baby. You're you proud. <laughs> uh, but, you know, just echoing what Jim says, I think keeping, keeping both the, uh, an eye on where the customer's at, where, you know, what things are compelling and interesting for customers, but tempering that with remaining true to what Pelican Brewery is about. So um, always be, you know, always be open to new ideas and different iterations or interpretations of classic styles or mashing up new styles or, you know, what have you. Um, but always focusing back on that integrity of what Pelican stands for and building beers flavor first, you know, with the experience in mind, um, I think has been really helpful for us um, just with some staying power and um, not letting ourselves get complacent or stale. So let's 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 back you up twenty five bird years here <laughs> and go back to Pacific City when you start. You now sit on a situation where we are just feet away from a massive production line, canning, bottling line you've got here. And when he says massive, <clears throat> he means massive. I mean massive. Yeah, you guys got a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, when you open Pacific City, did you ever envision having a Cannon Beach pub, having a mass production facility in in Tillamook? Did you? Did you see yourself 25 years down the line having the success you've had? I think uh, I think we did have ambitions um, of growing the brewery and and building a production facility. I didn't I didn't have any specifics in mind. You know, I didn't have my eye on that property in yeah. Cannon Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Although uh, my partner. Uh, Jeff and Mary, uh, I think they did. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, "Let's get this baby as big as we can." <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they come from uh, they come from a, a, a development and real estate background, so I really rely on on them for things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, they kind of rely on me to to know about things 
around beer. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's worked out pretty well. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> is, is there a moment where you guys realized OS, like, we're huge now? Like, this is, we're, we're one of the best breweries in the state. And, you know, was there a moment in time or, you know, a year specifically or something where you kind of had that realization of, wow, we did it? I think we don't ever no. feel that way. No. We never feel that way. Good. No. So being in every plaid pantry in the state of Oregon <laughs> doesn't doesn't get you there. No. <laughs> that's that's a good answer. That's a yeah, good answer. That is a great answer. Yeah. I think it's part of that stay hungry, stay humble. You mm-hmm. know, one of our core values is humility and you know, it's it's just really important to you know, when we were chatting before the show you asked about, you know, what is that what does that look like? How do you stay relevant, you know, those things and it, it's part of that stay hungry, stay humble, you know, always be open to new ideas, you know, what, what Darren was talking about. And then if there's a path for, for Pelican through that, that, you know, keeps our values clear and aligns, then it's, then it's a good idea. So one thing we've been fascinated about when we've talked to brewers and we just talked about a little bit before we started the segment too, is how breweries decide to follow the trendy beers. You know, the haze craze happened. What is that now? Like a year and a half ago is when we kind of, Three years ago now, Three. where yeah. where the haze craze began, and you know, at first, not every brewery got behind it, and then it became such a popular style that it it kind of morphed. Now we're seeing like smoothie sours and lactose beers, and we had the milkshake IPAs for a while. What is kind of your guys's opinion and or strategy for keeping up with the trends, but also staying true to yourselves? Because sometimes it feels like the trends are purely for like, hey, let's get Instagram people in here, whereas it's not necessarily the beer you want to make. Well, I think that's a I think that's a fine line. Um, I would not I would not characterize Pelican as a as a trend following brewery. There was a line outside to get in when I got. There here. was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not because of our um, of our slurpy slushy uh, sour smoothie. So, <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just if that's what you dig, that's what yeah. you dig. You know, that's that's. That's uh, not currently in our wheelhouse, mm-hmm. um, and for the moment, I'm perfectly happy to let others pursue um, that style, mm-hmm. and and that's okay. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I was alluding to it before. Can't really discount new ideas and new things that we see happening in the marketplace. The, the key for us is to think about how can we how can we think about these these new styles or these new ideas or these new flavor combinations or these new you know mixing and matching of different beer styles in a way that makes sense for the heritage of our brand uh, in a way that is forward looking for Pelican mm-hmm. uh, and a way that doesn't sort of cause the customer to look at that and scratch their head like, what are they doing? Mm. I thought Pelican was about this. Mm, you're talking like brand identity almost. And then, and then <clears throat> now they're going off in the completely left field direction. You know, where's, where's the common thread? How does it all fit together? Mm-hmm. So for us, I think we spend a lot of time thinking about how does it fit together? How does it fit in what we're doing? How can we take some of those ideas and kind of move them around and come up with something that represents who we are 
but is also presenting uh, a new flavor experience. Before we get into, you know, because I want to spend some time chatting with you guys about the birthday and the celebration for the year and, and how, you know, what, we're, what we have to look forward to. I'm curious, being a brewery that's been around, you know, and, and you guys working with people as long as you have, especially as you're starting to collab this year with some people, where in 25 years has Oregon beer come? Like, what are some of the big things you guys have noticed in the evolution of, Good things. I'm also curious. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask the bad things. Uh, good things and bad things about the industry that you guys have seen. I mean, how sometimes just in the last 10 years, you know, anything anything pop out at you? Well, if you look at the, at the you know, what, what the landscape of beer looked like in 1996 when we opened, um, one of our, you know, what constituted the wide range of beer flavors and colors and styles was pretty uh, pretty limited compared to what we think about today. So to give you an example, as a brew pub, kind of in a, in a resort town, I always felt like it was part of our mission to give people as, as broad a range of the possible color, flavor, um, in, in beer that was possible for us to produce. I mean, look at this taster tray. There's a cream ale, a half, IPA, double IPA, a red, a stout, and then two seasonals. That crosses the board. Yeah. Well, when we opened in 1996, we had an American wheat. <laughs> we had McPelican's Scottish oh, style ale. I know that beer. We had Doryman's Dark. Oh, I know that rest beer. in peace. Oh, man. <laughs> and Tsunami Stout. And... You know that was that was the broad range. Oh, you want light beer? We got that. You want amber beer? We got that. <laughs> you want dark beer? We, we got that. We got dark beer. We got we got that we got doubled up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know we had we had our first seasonal that in 1996 came out like I don't know a month afterwards, and that was a little beer called Kawanda Cream Ale. Mm. And you know that was like wow, look at us. We got. We got five different beers on tap. <laughs> Big time. You know? And, and you know, these days, five handles is, you know, less than you'd expect when you go to dinner at Applebee's. <laughs> right, know? right. Uh, so it's, it's a, the amount of selection and variety is just astronomical uh, over what it was when we started. Um. And I would say the aggregate quality of beer has steadily risen. Um, You're talking about your peers. Just the the beer in general. The community in general. Yes. And one of the things that has not been quite as, um, we haven't made as much progress as an industry that I'd like to see is that quality because you see it kind of really go up and then it kind of levels off or maybe you know, dips up and down. Um, you know, a big issue 25 years ago was freshness of packaged beer. That problem mm-hmm. has not yet been solved. It yeah. is not. It's something I harp on a lot about this podcast. Is it's something I learned as a normal beer drinker is check your dates. You know, when you yeah. go to the store, if you go to Platt Pantry, if you go to Safeway, check the dates. Yeah. Because it might just be sitting there for over two months. And, and, and the worst part is, is that's that, that unfortunately sometimes falls on the brewery 
when it's not necessarily the brewery's fault. You know what I mean? You've got distributors, you've got wholesalers, who's buying, how are they buying too much, blah, 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 blah. So that that's always tricky. Is there anything you see? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, one of the, I think, something that we might take for granted <clears throat> out here, but every time I travel that I think about is, you know, really the the chains, you know, the Kroger's and the Safeways, and those guys all really jumped on board with craft beer in Oregon far sooner than the rest of the nation. Mm. And if you go to beer sets in Oregon, I mean, we're blessed, and we're blessed with some great local, you know, like New Seasons and mm. and, and things like that. And we're really blessed with those things because I remember, you know, living in other parts of the country where the craft beer set was like four feet and there was like eight choices when craft beer was blowing up across the states. I grew up in New Jersey and it was like, hey, what's your best beer? We have Blue Moon. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I didn't know any better, right? All we had out there was Yingling, which, you know, the oldest oldest brewery in America. But. Which I've never had because <laughs> yeah. I live in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> right. But yeah. beyond that, I, worth, when I moved, having. <laughs> worth having. It is worth having. Me. I, it, is, it is like my bucket list. Now. When I moved here, I was like, the first beer I had was uh, Black Bee Porter. And I was like, this is a beer that people make? Yeah. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then a whole new world opened up. Yeah. So I think there's, you know, as far as how this industry's progressed, you know, I think we're, we take a lot of those things for granted mm-hmm. that that have just become really normal as Oregonians to be, you know, it's really been part of our culture here for a long time. So, yeah, I, I always forget that too. And, and you, you saying that now puts a little more in perspective because I'm from the Northwest, you know, I'm born and raised in the Northwest, Washington, Oregon specifically. And yeah, I'm so used to, since I've been drinking craft beer, let's see when I turned 21, 2006, uh, since 2006, like every... <laughs> since you started drinking in yeah, about yeah, 2002. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> wink, wink, 2006. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know all different five flavors of Henry Weinhardt's. No big deal. Um, <laughs> you're right, because I would go to grocery stores, and I live in a place with bottle shops, and, you know, I live in North Portland currently right now, and I've got two or three kind of really close to me that I frequent often, and they get tourists that come in because Portland's known for their beer and or Oregon, the state in general. And they come out and they're like, what a cool concept. And I'm always thinking, what, that they sell beer and you can have a pint on a patio? <laughs> How is that a cool concept? Sounds pretty straightforward. So that's interesting, the idea that we support it a lot more than other people. I guess, yeah, you're right. We do take that for granted. We are sitting down with Jim and Darren from Pelican Brewing. Uh, COVID's been a huge topic of conversation this year obviously especially in the brewery world and you guys kind of have a unique angle on it because you guys had already been here for a long time you have multiple facilities you're in all the stores how did COVID affect pelican and what have you kind of learned that you might even keep around moving forward after COVID hopefully goes away yeah well the big thing is we learned the power of takeout windows. <laughs> and that's and that's something that we really hadn't really dabbled in very much. And turns out, you know, we put in uh, an extra takeout window down at, at our facility Pacific City there and it's a it's a like a runaway hit and people love it. And it's a great other way to, you know, be at the beach and grab some food and grab some beer and go eat it at the beach. Yeah, and, right. You know, we just You don't have to sit at a table on the yeah, patio, although yeah. it is one of my so favorite another, patios in the state. Yeah, so it's another way to experience it. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's really exciting. But beyond that, really, you know, we've really worked hard on our values and and, you know, we're we're endeavoring to become a B Corp and uh, those were things that were in the works prior to COVID and COVID really gave us that chance to really lean in and live our values. I mean, as everybody was forced to make decisions with little information 
you know, having some strong core values to lean into and, you know, just think about, you know, at the end, you know, our goal is we got to get through this together. Like we got to get everybody out the other side. We got to make sure the businesses succeed and make it through, but we also got to make sure our people succeed and make it through. And so, you know, at one point when the county closed everything down and everything was shut down, you know, we were feeding, we were feeding our staff because we had to furlough folks and mm-hmm. we just wanted to make sure, you know, we had three goals, you know, keep roofs over everybody's heads, keep them fed and make sure they got jobs to come back to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those are the things that we're going to carry with us forever because it, it made it, it forced us to, you know, to lean into those values and really understand what they are and made us, you know, stronger as a whole for it. So well, that's the biggest, biggest, most valuable lesson. I was asking uh, Natalie before we came in, are you guys going to keep the outdoor seating setup? That's really cool. <laughs> like, I know it's in your parking yeah. lot, but are you guys going to keep that even once yeah. COVID go, goes away? Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep it to whatever extent we can. So, yeah. the, I mean, the <clears throat> city's been fantastic with all of those things, fantastic help. So, and same with, we've got seating on the beach down in Pacific City right now, which is... Is pretty pretty epic. choice. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it yeah, it is a wild thing to think of. Like with this COVID thing, it has made us think of things we never really thought we would have because it was born out of necessity. And then you yeah. almost look at it and you're like, you're probably thinking to yourself, why the hell did we not have tables on the beach before? You know, <laughs> yeah. why do we have a parking space out here when we yeah. could be putting tables out here? You're yeah. almost kind of like derp. God, yeah. should have done that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let's get to the reason why we're here. Happy birthday. Thank you. Happy Thanks. birthday. Yeah. Uh, it is the 25th birthday here at, at Pelican. Take us back to deciding to throw a giant year-long birthday bash. Why? Why? Why 25? Why all year? I'm just curious uh, where that brainchild starts. Well, we would have liked to have everybody show up and have a great big shindig on the beach, but that's still unfortunately not possible. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, just spent a lot of time brainstorming. How can we, how can we celebrate this and and communicate with our customers about what's going on, and do it in a way that that um, fits into sort of the realities that we're in still. Yeah, and we, you know we call it a birthday, not an anniversary, because we don't we don't we don't anniversaries feel old, and we don't feel. old. <laughs> I was going to ask that. Yeah. Yeah. If your anniversary, it's like your 50th yeah. anniversary. Oh, right? wow. Like you guys a, made it 50, like 25 wedding, years. Like a wedding. Oh, you've been Good on you. Yeah. And you know what's <laughs> funny about Pelican is, you know, though we've been around for 25 years, um, you know, it's we've evolved in different ways. I mm-hmm. mean, for the first, you know, 15 years, really, it was, you know, we, we were a small brew pub on the Oregon coast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then decided to really get into the you know, packaging beer business. And mm-hmm. So we're sort of this, you know, old new brand. You know, a lot of, t- you know, when we first really started selling beer in Portland, there was tons of folks that never heard of us. Mm. And I think there still are. I think there's still no who, who aren't, who don't know us. Which no is, way. I love that. That's a humble, I love that. That's a humble approach, my I love friend. It. <laughs> I would be very surprised. I love it. People that buy beer, if they don't know who you are, that would yeah. surprise me. But stay hungry. Yeah. I'll leave you with that. That does stay lead hungry. me to a little bit of a side question, too. What made you guys decide once you started to expand to stay solely on the coast you know we see breweries that are from across the state that want to open a portland brew pub that want to open a place in bend and you guys have stayed pacific city tillamook cannon beach on the coast i know it's part of the brand but what when you made that decision what kind of went into that well when we when we were looking at 
this facility in particular, looking for a, a place where we could grow and do some higher volume production than what was possible in Pacific City. We did consider options uh, over in the valley in the metro area, and it, not, it just did not, it didn't fit with who we are, where we come from, um, and it didn't reflect our commitment to this community. And so in some ways, it just, it just didn't feel like it would, it would be authentic for us to, to jump um, over the hills, so to speak, and open up a, a plant. Another part of it is um, I didn't want to drive uh, <laughs> into the metro area every day, so there's there's that tiny little detail. Living there, I understand very well why you would not want to yeah. drive there. Tilling up um, to Pacific City ain't so bad. It's not so bad. Uh, it's a windy road, and I have uh, I have a car that corners well, so I, I you know. <laughs> I get a little uh, vehicular recreation to and from. And to the right is this giant body of water that you can just stare at on your way south. Uh, unless you want to end up in that water, I don't recommend that. <laughs> uh, okay, so the beer we have in front of us, we did not drink this in the last segment. I wanted to save this for you guys because uh, I wanted Darren to explain it how he explained it to us before. You guys have been doing these bird day collabs, and the one that's in front of us is not carbonated yet. Nope. Uh, but this is the next to come out birthday collab. Uh, explain the collab and what this is and what we're about to take a sip of. So this is birthday volume two. Mm-hmm. And the birthday series is, is a, a big part of our uh, year-long celebrations. And the, the idea was to take our, our Lone Pelican series, um, which we in the past we've used for different kinds of more experimental or specialty ideas, and the theme for this year was to bring back um, some notable members of the flock, mm. so to speak, um, and to do collaboration projects with various alums from Pelican over the years who have their own uh, facilities now. So the first one was uh, with Whitney Burnside, who's at Ten Barrel Portland these days, uh, doing great work, as I'm sure you're very much aware. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that beer was fantastic. We had a lot of fun designing and, and brewing it. And um, this beer is with Ben Love, Dr. Love, as I like to call him. Um, Over at Gigantic Brewing. Currently with Gigantic. He was also <clears throat> the founding uh, head brewer for Hopworks, working for Christian. Uh, yes, yes. Um, uh, so Ben and I started brainstorming uh, pretty early on about what we wanted to do. And Ben came to me with this um, with this suggestion um, about this cocktail that he makes at home for himself. He calls it a mezcal sour. Doctor Ben, Doctor Love, Doctor Love, Doctor Love, Doctor Love. Doctor Love. You got to say it like that too. Yeah, <laughs> Doctor Love. So, <clears throat> and he he typically makes it with lime mm-hmm. uh, over the rock on rocks, and so we were just kind of exploring these uh, these flavor ideas, and. We felt like that the basic idea had a lot of legs, that it would really be a, a fun project. I had some concerns about, you know, is there going to be enough timeline to give barrel contact? And so we went, we had some conversation about that with a cocktail-inspired beer. You're really looking for a different set of flavors than with 
um, a more straight-ahead barrel-aged beer, um, such as Father of All Tsunamis or Mother of All Storms, that sort of thing. So really what we were wanting is to draw a little bit of that uh, wood essence and a little bit of that spirit out of the out of the barrels and infuse into the beer. So, and then instead of doing lime, which, you know, lime is fantastic in, in these flavors, we wanted to change it up a little bit. So we use tangerine. So the tangerine provides that bright citrus, uh, and it also provides that, that acidity, uh, the tart aspect. And then we really got a lot of mezcal uh, flavors out of those barrels. Um, and we used three different kinds of barrels. So we used, um, we used uh, Reposado bourbon, Reposado white wine, and Añejo white wine. Um, and each of those different barrels kind of came out of the wood with, with different flavors. And it, they all kind of layered into uh, this mezcal complexity that's in the, in the beer, even though it's not finished yet. But it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Well, I mean, mezcal. Mezcal is all the rage these days. Are you turning into a trendy brewery? <laughs> we are so we are so, so hip, hip, so trendy. So hip, so hip. I think it's really cool. And, you know, uh, that's what I think is always really fun about the collabs, especially if it's your birthday, anniversary, whatever you want to call it, to do that kind of stuff and play with barrel character. It seems like that's the route everybody wants to go. That makes me very happy yeah, as a, as a know, kid who yeah. loves barrels. As yeah, a barrel-aged kid over here, and I'm just like, you got any of that 4.8 hoppy beer I can drink? Because <laughs> uh, that's what I'm really into. I like the tangerine <clears throat> a lot in this. I think the tangerine comes through really nicely, yeah. and the barrel character is there. I think I think you snag it, and we talked about this a little bit before. You know, a lot of – I love mezcal. I personally have jumped on this train, and I'm, I've always been a tequila drinker, so mezcal wasn't a huge jump for me. Uh, but like everybody else, you just automatically assume, you know, a lot of the haters on Mezcal, oh, it's too smoky. You know, it's, they, they yeah. don't like, they're afraid it's like scotch, but tequila. Yeah. There isn't a ton in this. I think if there is any subtlety, it's just, if anything, bringing up the body. And giving, one thing, giving it a little more mouthfeel. One thing we've talked about, too, is sometimes with smoke in particular, you cross that threshold and it just dominates the whole beer. It's like just a smoke beer. Right. And if you get just a little bit of a hint of it, that kind of really works out. And I, I don't know if I get it in this cup particularly. You said that it kind of varies depending on which barrel it came out of and, and that. But even just the slightest little bit of smoke that can come in is good. That's one thing we talked about when we were having the beers is all of them are so nuanced. You know, none of them are like bashing you over the head with a specific flavor. None of them are bashing you over the head with a hop or, you know, even if it's like the Pilsner, for example, it's not just like, hey, here's Pilsner malt that you're tasting. There's all these little nuances in there. And I think that, that even the uncarbonated version of this, I can kind of get that as well. My favorite type of beer to drink is one that has layers. Mm-hmm. You know, you take the sip and from front, mid, back palate, it's a little bit different all the way through. And I kind of I got that from almost every single one of these that we've had so far today, which is fantastic. I call these beers beer by design. Like this is how much we want you to get. Yeah, because a lot of people these days, I mean, everybody just wants that instant gratification. Like if you say this is a tangerine wheat, boy, I better taste tangerine. And I think those of us that are staunch beer drinkers, like I want it there, but I want it blended. And mm-hmm. if you want to drink more than one, it can't mm-hmm. be it can't be so aggressive right. that it's 
that it's just oozing, right? It's like too much. It's like walking past a Hollister store, you know, at the <laughs> yeah. mall. Right? That's a great It's like point. that is a fantastic like that, scent, that scent was good, you know, 10 yeah. gallons ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but well, so you don't want it to bash you over the head because you want to drink another one. So I always, you know, I have to figure out, like, Darren does his thing, and then I have to figure out, like, how to codify it in my mind so that it makes sense to me. Like, this is how this is kind of how, I guess, we work together. Mm-hmm. And so a couple of years ago, I started thinking, and I love music, uh, started thinking about beer in terms of graphic equalizers. And, oh. you know, so in order for music to sound great, no matter what style it is, it's got to be EQ'd correctly. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be the same for every style. Right. So like an IPA, you know, I think of an IPA is like a metal, you know, it's like metal. Right. Okay. So you might have the aggressive, you know, right yeah, aggressive, the bitterness. aggressive, aggressive high end, aggressive low end. Maybe this, the middle's a little scooped out. Yep. Versus, you know, a Pilsner, you know, that maybe is a bit more like classical, you know, or something like that versus, I don't know, you know. I so, like that. And, and I, I think, like but, that. But is it, but is it Beethoven or is it Brahms or, or is it Mozart? Like yeah. which, which yeah. route are we going here? Yeah. 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 Tchaikovsky was a crazy Russian, you yeah. know, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, and that's what I love about, that's what I love about our beers is that they, that for whatever style they are, They've got that balance, which leads to drinkability, which leads to, you know, give me another pint. So we're going to be back here in a couple months. I'm not quite sure. We haven't quite hammered it out. Um, what uh, what can we expect going forward uh, with with the birthday anniversary before we see you guys again? Obviously, we have this tangerine mezcal with Dr. Love. You know, is there anything else you guys have uh, planned in the short term that we can let our listeners know about? You know, probably the most fun thing that we've got going right now is uh, we've got a like a golden pelican, golden bottle cap. Mm. Um, it's kind of like a Willy Wonka thing. Oh, so there's there's uh, is it ten? Yep, there's there's ten out there somewhere, somewhere. And if you find one, you get a you get a two night stay at the beach. Oh, yeah. fantastic! Oh. Well, good thing I just bought a six pack of tsunami that's in my fridge <laughs> that I can go look under the, the bottle caps for. <laughs> Don't open them all at once in a you know in a frenzy. <laughs> right. Yeah, You're like can you just see somebody? Remember uh, Veruca Salt? Her dad bought the boxes of, of Wonka bars, yes. and they just have the factory workers yep. opening them and throwing the chocolate. You just drain pouring all the beers for the nope. bottle caps. Well, Don't I guess that. I'm drinking all six Don't of them right that. now. Then Don't do that. And uh, it's your 25th birthday. If I'm 25, do I get anything special? Heck yeah. You do. We, we buy you a six-pack for your birthday. Buy me a six-pack? Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I'm 35, yeah. but I can make that three turn into a two easily. Uh, uh, I can't do that yet. I'm 31, <laughs> so how do I do the math to make myself 25? You're host, buddy. I'm host. All right. Uh, do you guys want to stick around to do Beer of the Week with us next as well? Sure. All right. That's next. This is Beers on Us. Mike Lynch, Patrick Harris with Jim and Darren from Pelican at Pelican. Talk about lucky. We gaze out at iconic Haystack Rock from our flagship brew pub. Hi, we're Pelican Brewing, and for 25 years now, people have toasted that view with a landmark of its own, Kawanda Cream Ale. Kawanda's golden color, floral aroma, and clean, snappy finish have passed beer's toughest test, time. Happy birthday, Kawanda. Sometimes a party never ends. Pelican Brewing Company, born at the beach. Beer of the Week time here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Jim and Darren still with us. There is no uh, can to open today. Uh, but we are going to drink Kawanda Cream Ale 
as our beer of the week. Cheers, guys. Thank Cheers. you. Thank you for having us out. What I would say, the Pelican beer of all Pelican beers. Yes, Kwanda Cream Ale. The most uh, known and probably the most popular at this point, the Kwanda Cream Ale. I am fascinated to get uh, Jim and Darren's take on this beer. I mean, we've had this, I believe, on the podcast before, and uh, I think we have because we did the OG episode, <clears throat> and I think we brought Kwanda in on did that we? one. I okay, think so. Great. Um, I'd love to hear your guys' take on the beer now and what you taste in your palate. And honestly, if you want to get super nerdy with it or share stories about Kwanda, you know, the floor is yours. You know, feel free. But uh, this, is, this is just one of those beers that is like a, it's a, just an Oregon legend at this point. Yeah, and I guess I kind of want to like, because I, I do want to get to uh, kind of tasting notes and really dive into this beer. But I do want to ask, of you guys might be the this brewery might be the only brewery I can think of that has a flagship that's a cream ale. Bowie. What is it about? Bowie has a flagship cream, right? Is that a flagship, though? I believe so. Do you count that as a flagship? Would you guys? Not my brewery. Yeah, I can't yeah. answer their questions. I, yeah. see, I see it uh, in six packs of cans. Is like, that's their main when I think yeah. When I think of a mass-produced cream ale, I think of Pelican. Yeah. So the question I want to ask you guys is, what is it about the cream ale that says, this is going to wave our flag? Well, the uh, the beginnings of Kawanda go back to our first year of operation. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, it was our first seasonal beer. What I didn't say is that uh, it was part of my original idea that that was going to be in our in our opening lineup, and um, I didn't get my way. That's okay, <laughs> but uh, that doesn't mean you you, you give up. So he snuck it in in that first seasonal run. <laughs> snuck it in for a seasonal. That was perfectly a okay. And uh, inspiration wise, you know, I my degree uh, is of all things uh, in history. So, you know, through university, I was I was studying history. Uh, I wrote a couple of thesis papers to graduate. One of them was actually on the the history of prohibition in Oregon. Um, you can imagine, you know in my future career, how I, how I kind of treated that particular topic. <laughs> um, um, as long as you got, you know, su- support it with references, yep, yep. you know, make you got sure facts, you got facts, you got facts. <laughs> um, you can make a, you can make a case cited in your bibliography. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so I had this, I had this interest in, you know, early brewing traditions in the United States, uh, you know, where things came from, and I always had it in my mind that, that you know, that the whole dynamic of colonial breweries, colonial era breweries, brewing in an ale tradition, kind of getting competition and being supplanted by newer breweries founded by immigrants from Germany and Central Europe, you know, I always found that a really fascinating story. And, you know, those ale brewers, they didn't go away right away. Um, they developed competitive products and one of those competitive products was what they call cream ale and as i understand it it was lab- it was called a cream ale to differentiate it from the stock ales that they had been producing which were darker and more bitter and they wanted to emphasize the idea that it was lighter and more refreshing and it and you know it wasn't as heavy of a beer essentially they were taking the the raw materials the hops um that would go into a Pilsner using their ale fermentation, using their existing strains. And then in, in most cases, they were adding on 
a cellar with mechanical refrigeration so that they could add some lagering time to the back end of their process, thereby creating a beer that had some similarities to the, to, to the <coughs> early American Pilsners. I just thought that was a really fascinating sort of um, story. And so I was inspired to create a beer that kind of paid homage to that. Uh, sometimes people ask me, you know, did I discover an old recipe? No, I didn't. I just basically kind of made it up. <laughs> you imagined it. I imagined, you know, I was just imagining. I had a vision. You know, if, if I had been in that position, how would I approach it? What would I do? Mm-hmm. Um, and how can I how can I use more modern raw materials, equipment, and processes to to recreate something that that is inspired by those those earlier beers? So that's where Kawanda Cream Ale came from. Uh, it was just kind of me imagining, oh, what, what could that beer have been like? Well, it would have had, it would have had a notable hop aroma. Um, and it wouldn't have been citrusy. It would have been more floral, like, like noble hops in Pilsner's. Um, so we use Mount Hood hops in this. Um, and, you know, I wasn't designing the beer with, uh, with six-row base malt. Um, so I used two-row. Um, which I think would have been probably pretty typical um, early on because I think the six-row was phasing in during the 19th century as lager brewers got bigger and bigger, um, and they needed to dilute their protein levels down um, with corn. Hmm. Um, so, you know, it's just a, a – but this does have a small amount of adjunct. It uses uh, flake barley. Okay. Um, and the flake barley is in there to uh, – give viscosity uh, to aid in the head retention. And uh, the flake barley also helps uh, give kind of that dry, crisp quality in the finish. Um, so getting back to the to the story from, you know, where did this beer come from, uh, we had it on tap during the summers for our first couple seasons. Um, and by the end of the second summer, Kawanda was outselling this American wheat that was part of our core lineup. The core brands. Yeah, and so yeah. it's like, oh, this is my, this is my shot. <laughs> I, I'm going to make shot. the pitch. <laughs> uh, and so uh, that's how it became part of our permanent lineup is by outselling the wheat beer head-to-head. How um, much of the recipe has stayed exactly the same? Have you made tweaks to it over the years or – um, you know, as much as you're willing to divulge, of course. So that first year that I made it, um, the bitterness was higher and the color was darker. Darker, okay. Uh-huh, because I hadn't yet figured out, I was using a C15 to add some mouthfeel and some foam stability, uh, but that gave too much color to the beer than I really wanted. And, um, you know, I was I was doing kind of a traditional... 60-minute edition of hops, 30-minute edition of hops, Whirlpool edition of hops. <clears throat> and that just it made the beer too bitter, uh, even though I thought I was doing it proportional. and But, you know, how does it taste? It tasted too bitter. Right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, very quickly um, changed into the format that it currently is, where it's base malt, Lake Barley, a little bit of Dextra Pills. It has one edition of hops at Whirlpool, 
Mount Hoods. It uses 1056-AO7-Yeast. That's it. Other than the fact that it's just a damn good beer, <laughs> do, you think, do you think it helps that people don't traditionally make cream ales? Do you think that helps Absolutely. in the fact of as part of your identity? Absolutely. You know, uh, the only, you know, the really large remaining cream ale brands are all East Coast. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about Little Kings, you think about Genesee and that sort of thing. And, you know, that's all Ohio. Somebody went to school in Syracuse. I know about Genesee Cream Ale. Absolutely. <laughs> and you get fresh Genesee, and it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and you get the stale stuff that's got dust on the bottle. It's not so beautiful. <laughs> you can say that about any beer. Right, right, right. Um, but because we were the, I mean, 1996, nobody on the West Coast nobody. was making Cream Ale. Close let alone seat. marketing a 19th century pre-prohibition Hello, nerd alert. What's, what's the um, closest thing you have to that? Anchor with their steam beer? Is that the closest you have? No, not even. I mean, I mean that's such a radically different beer. Right. Only from a, from a marketing, yeah, standpoint, from marketing standpoint is what I mean. It's like, yeah. it's so it's most people haven't heard of it. You know, what's fun about it to this day is that it's a conversation. You know, I mean, so many other styles are so well known that there's really nothing to ask. Mm-hmm. Right. But cream ale, like there's always, a. I mean, I love, you know, when we can do grocery store samplings again, you know, like doing grocery store samplings or, you know, going to one of our events at, at a at a tavern because it's a great conversation starter. Yeah, What's what a is a cream ale? You know, well, and then I, butcher, then I butcher Darren's stories. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, one of the advantages that that we had from, from the beginning is that as Kawanda became more prominent in our lineup and more people became familiar with it, we have had the, the opportunity to define for the Northwest – this is what cream ale is. So you talk to beer aficionados in the Northwest, and you ask about cream ale, they think about us. That's they don't think about Little Kings. They don't think about Genesee. And frankly, it is a different style of beer than the than those East Coast cream ales. You've, mm-hmm. you've almost created the flavor profile of the market, that whether your cream ale is traditional cream ale or the best cream ale, at least for the region, this is the gold standard. This, and then, this, yeah, we, we have the luxury of essentially defining for a whole region and generation what cream ale is. Basically, somebody makes a cream ale, and you're just like, is it good? Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's not Kawanda, but it's good. You kind of <laughs> have that in your back pocket. That's a good not, thing to have in your back not pocket. Not to get you to be arrogant by any means, but i got to push the envelope a little bit. So then when you design this beer, walk me through what flavor profiles are you looking for? Like your specific recipe, we talked about a little bit mm-hmm. earlier how it was coming across too bitter in the beginning, and you've dialed that back. What is, in your opinion, the Kawanda Cream Ale tasting notes? So for me, on I'm looking for that clean floral aroma right up front. I want that that floral hop flavor to follow through. So I want that hop expression in the nose and through the middle of the flavor. Uh, at the same time, um, I want that that toasty malt flavor, both aromatic and through the middle and the finish of the beer. I want all of those things going together. But to me, that and then it has to finish clean, it has to finish refreshing, has to finish snappy. So that that attenuation. That low residual extract, um, the balanced bitterness, because it's about 25 IBU beer, and we watch that very, very closely. 
Um, so when we see that it starts drifting one way or another, we'll make an adjustment uh, to ensure that it stays right at 25, um, you know, plus or minus a couple BUs. Sure. Um, and the, the and the ABV has to really stay right in that sweet spot, right about 5.4. Uh, and that, that'll maybe go up and down 0.1. We keep a pretty tight, pretty tight uh, rein on specification for this beer because it's all important in that balance, in that drinkability, um, and creating that, that flavor where it's refreshing, it's floral, you get that toasty malt, but none of it's big. You know, there's layers of flavor in there, and you can you can geek out and dissect if you want to, which most people don't, mm-hmm. right. and that's okay. <clears throat> that's all right. And But if it's not balanced, then it detracts from what I like to call the patio drinkability. Amen to that. Is there – well, <clears throat> I, should, I should ask it this way. We've talked about this on the podcast before. We did a whole episode of introducing non-craft beer drinkers to craft beer, right? Those who drink big beer, those who drink Coors Light, Miller Light, whatever. It's one of our secondary missions. Yes. <laughs> is this a beer that you guys give to a consumer who says, I drink Coors Light, but I want to try one of your beers? Is the cream ale, you know, one or two option A or B that you give to those drinkers? One or two, yep. yeah. Yeah. Um, back in the old days when we had Kawanda and McPelicans as two of our mainstay draft beers, people would come into the into the Pacific City Brew Pub, and, you know, year after year, season after season, we'd be doing beer school with, with new staff, and I knew that they were going to get this question all day long from customers from all walks of life. You know, what, what do you, what's your lightest beer? And I would always train our staff, uh, are they looking for the lightest color? Are they looking for the mildest bitterness? Yep. And so, you know, there, w- there were two answers. Um, and Kawanda was one of them. Um, what's interesting is, you know, if you taste this against um, a domestic light lager, um, you know, when you have it on your own, it, it on its own, it just it seems very, um, very clean, very light, uh, very drinkable. You taste it against a domestic light lager and it's like holy cow this thing's packed with flavor <laughs> by comparison how come right. this doesn't taste like green apples it just doesn't I, I because wa- i want my beer to taste like green apples damn it well <laughs> if you if you cream tr- corn in there like come on let's go well the, the cream corn we uh we we make sure that <clears throat> Uh, isn't in there c- yeah. through uh, proper boil procedures right. and rapid cooling of the wort. Um, you know, brewing beer. You know. Correctly. <laughs> and, but the uh, if you want acid aldehyde, you come here about on, on day four of fermentation. Day four, we'll, you, we'll let you we'll sample. Have, oh, yeah. yeah, we'll have that in spades for you. <laughs> You got any tasting notes from this, Patrick? I, I was really I, no. I think he nailed it. I think he nailed it. I think the the the, the I mean, I, I would hope he nailed it. Uh, I, I think the, the the floral hop character is, I think, what stands out the most to me. I'm getting and that I, toasted malt a lot too. Yeah, That's kind of what's standing out. I get to me. it kind of right before the the back end of the palate. I think the the floral hop. It, this is just one of those classic ales. To show to people, again, as we talk about bridges and introducing people to crafts, this is a great example to show people that hops aren't always 
Mosaic, Simcoe, Amarillo. That hops have flavors and characteristics that are massively integral to the flavor of beer that don't taste like dank, resinous petrol right. from Australia. Not you know? every hop is going to dominate exactly. the flavor profile. And They're it just, there to it, complement. It, this is a great beer that reminds us that hops are just as important as malts and are a key integral factor into all beers made. And I think, I think, I think Darren, you and your team have, have you've perfected the cream ale. And thanks on behalf of the rest of us. I don't speak for everyone, but I will at this moment. Thanks. Yeah, we appreciate it. Well, if you are 25 years old, come on down to any of the Pelican locations and get yourself a free six-pack of this Kawanda Cream Ale. Yeah, and I'll ride in the car with you, and we can split it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. There you go. <laughs> uh, Jim and Darren, thank you guys so much. This has been so much fun. We're excited to come back for two more episodes, yeah. whether it's you know at any of the other locations or even if we do over the phone. We're excited to chat with you guys for two more uh, podcasts coming up throughout the summer, and uh, this has been a lot of fun. Cheers. Thank you. We'll see you guys next week, Thursday at 4. Download, subscribe, rate, review wherever you find us, and uh, have a very good week. And don't forget, next week we'll be putting out the podcast on Friday instead of Thursdays as we will be reacting to the Oregon Beer Awards as Mike and I will be presenting at the Oregon Beer Awards the Imperial IPA category, which we're both really excited about. Tickets are just now on sale. They're 5 bucks. It's all Zoom. It's all... It's all uh, it's all virtual, but Dr. Love is once again one of the hosts <laughs> of that. So make sure you tune in and you can see us idiots uh, on video instead of audio presenting Imperial IPA. And so, yeah, it'll be Friday. Friday at 4. We'll Friday at 4, we'll post the podcast instead of Thursday for yep. next week's show. Okay. Well, we'll see you next Friday for Catharsis. This episode has been brought to you by Pelican Brewing. Keep an ear out for the final two episodes of the summer with us, Beers on Us, and Pelican. One next month in June and one likely in the month of July as we'll be going to their other two locations in Pacific City and Cannon Beach. We'll see you guys next week.